to Arts Wrap with Alicia. I'm Alicia Kintner of ArtsWave, the Cincinnati, Ohio's engine for the arts, and we're right in the middle of the ArtsWave community campaign that supports more than 150 arts organizations, including the May Festival. And so today we're going to wrap about choral music. And if you didn't know, there are actually a whole lot of singers in the United States. 12,000 professional and community choruses nationwide, according to Chorus America, 41,000 K-12 school courses, and 216,000 religious choirs. I am here today joined by two of the, the movers and shakers in the national choral, choral industry and part of our May Festival that is celebrating its 150th anniversary. Welcome to Robert Porco, the Director of Choruses of the May Festival. Hello, glad to be here. Awesome. And Matthew Swanson, the Associate Director of Thank Choruses. Thank you for having me. And Matthew, I just learned that you were a singer in the May Festival before becoming, uh, rising to your current role. So That's correct. I joined the May Festival Chorus when I was a, do or, excuse me, a master's student at CCM in January of 2012 because there was a poster on the wall in our office of all the amazing music that the May Festival was doing just in two weeks in May. And I uh -huh. thought, well, I have to go sing Carmine Verana and the Durafle Requiem and Verdi for Sacred Pieces and all these things. So I came down and um, met Bob in my audition at Music Hall. I sang a Debussy song, and he let me in. Ooh. ooh. That's good. <laughs> well, maybe you'll reprise that for us at some point. Bob, you are celebrating 35 years with the May Festival Chorus, and in fact, you've announced this is... Next year will be 35, I think. Yes, this is the end of 34. The end of 34, so give or take. This is right. an incredible uh, career, incredible tenure here. Um, Cincinnati is sometimes called the city that sings, and you've been around the world in your career. What is it about Cincinnati that earns it that reputation? I think most of all it's the uh, the tradition mm -hmm. and that's been written about and the fact that there were a certain number of uh, Germans coming here and mm -hmm. there is certainly a tradition of what they call Zengerfest that is and they were traditionally male organizations but not, not always. Uh, and I think that you know when you have some roots like that in many cases, it just doesn't go away. I mean, it goes from generation to generation. And then when the May Festival and getting, there was a tradition before May Festival of getting courses to sing, various courses from various places in the area, sometimes even uh, uh, from a few miles away. Mm -hmm. That, I think, was part of the inspiration of the May Festival, of getting these courses. You read about how big they were. Um, so that just kept going. So now we have, as you mentioned, so many choral organizations in this city. We just had uh, a wonderful event where we had, I think, 17, was it, Matthew? 19 choirs. 19 choruses uh, singing all day. Each one sang for 20 minutes. And <laughs> yes. we could have done it, I believe, had we said a two-day event, we could have done that. There might have been 38 or 40. Uh, it was a it's wonderful, extraordinary. wonderful day. Yeah. So let's let's talk even more about that day, um, not so long ago, uh, as well as the tradition that goes back to the mid 1800s, as you were describing. Um, 
this year's celebration of 150 years included the commissioning of 25 new choral works. Um, Matthew, how did you go about selecting the choirs that would sing those works? And tell us about that process. I'm happy to. The commissioning of new works and the premiere of new works, both American premieres and world premieres, has been a part of the May Festival's history since the very first concert that we uh, gave in 1873. So when we were talking about how to celebrate this 150th anniversary, we knew that we wanted commissions and premieres to be a part of that. And we also knew that we wanted to celebrate, just as Bob was talking about, the historical roots of the May Festival as a place where lots of different choruses came together to sing. In the first May Festival, I think, um, from s as far away as six, eight, six states away. So uh, we thought, well, let's commission some works and give them away as gifts to local oh. choral organizations. Uh, and Bob's idea actually was to get them together uh, on a day and have a day where anyone could come in to Christchurch Cathedral downtown uh, all day long and just hear choruses, sit down and hear different kinds of choirs singing. So we were able to combine those two projects and invite some of the choruses that were given these commissions to come and perform for us. And we wanted to showcase the breadth and the depth of the choral community. So it was hard, but we chose choruses of different kinds, different makeups, community choruses, choruses with uh, a social justice mission, mm -hmm. choruses from schools, children's choruses, uh, choruses from Indiana and from Northern Kentucky. So it was a broad array. We certainly could have had more, and there were many that uh, we couldn't feature, but it was an exciting uh, cross-section, I guess you might say, mm -hmm. of the choral sector in Cincinnati. I was amazed at how full the audience was from hour to hour. So It was very interesting. I suspect that it would be. I didn't know it would be that full because, you know, there were, there were some there. I was there all day. There were some who just came in and sat mm -hmm. and listened and just waited for the next choir. I knew there'd be that, and I assumed that every one of the choirs that performed would bring their own kind of fan base. Yes. And that happened too, and they didn't often come just for that. They usually stay for two pieces. It was, in that way, a, a, a wonderful thing, and I, 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 I had hoped that that would be the case, mm -hmm. that it might not be the same people all day, but there would be this steady, and if a steady flow, and if they wanted to, they could go to the chapel and hear something entirely different with a smaller group. That kind of, uh, that's what happens in an art museum. Right. You know, you go from one room to the other and hear space to space. and see different styles and all yeah. that. So I loved it. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. I like that you um, point out that the May Festival has always been a mix of new and yes. traditional classic, if you will. So this showcased 25 new Yes, works. and the May Festival, I mean, this was a bit of an unusual because we have three uh, compositions that were commissioned by us that were performing in May, one by Joseph really? Miller and James Lee and Julia Adolph. That is unusual in the time that I've been here and I've been here a long time, that we would have three kind three. of major uh, composers composing for us. And that's very exciting. Very, very difficult, exciting. too. Because <laughs> difficult, oh, I shouldn't talk about the practical things, but there is that. Uh, when you have 125, 130 singers who bring all sorts of experiences 
from all over. Some know very much, but lots of experience. You do the Mozart Requiem. Well, most have had some experience with that at some time. Right. You hand out a brand new piece by James McMillan. No one has had any experience. <laughs> so it truly is everybody starting from the same place. That's and right. that is really a fascinating uh, but true way of doing huh. it. I mean, uh, uh, what's happening is, is that. And the same thing with Julia Adolph's piece uh, and James Lee piece, which we've experienced now because we did it at the ACDA, all pieces based on uh, great poetry. I think it's very exciting. It is. So it must mean that the composer, too, hasn't heard 130 singers yet sing the music? Is that? Well, that's absolutely. I mean, it they've heard it maybe in some computerized sure. uh, fashion. But yes, when they come, and they're all going to be here, oh, they will hear it for the first goodness. time. I mean, uh, from my perspective as the conductor of the group, it is very exciting to be able to pick up the phone and call Julia Adolph or James Lee and say, is this what you really meant here? Uh, <laughs> wow. Or, uh, and they will say, yes, it is, or no, that's a, a, a mistake. You know, and I thought, oh, it'd be great if you could call Bach and say, how do you expect <laughs> us to sing this? <laughs> but anyway, that, that, really that's a, that a wonderful note. experience. A that, one, oh, that is so exciting to, to think about that. One thing that struck me at the Time for New Music um, Festival was that even the compositions seemed different in the way they the composers used sound um, yes. as as words, not necessarily a, a song as we know it. But oh, absolutely. Well, I think composers have been trying to do that probably forever. Okay. But uh, so today is like forever. I mean. Right. Uh, how do it use sounds? I mean, sometimes the actual, what we expect of music occasionally is not there. There is no melody. Uh, there is no kind of predictability or predictive, uh, or jazzy rhythm. Mm -hmm. It is trying to organize sound. Right. Not words necessarily, but sound in different yeah. ways. That's been going on really for a long time. <laughs> uh, but even in my younger days at Indiana University, there were there were experimentation where uh, you and I could just uh, tap our hands on this microphone. I'm not going to do mm -hmm. it, and Matthew could join us, join us, and I could stop my feet a bit, and that would be an organization of sound that most people didn't recognize. Well, that's not music. Well, it depends on your definition. Yes. So there is. A lot of experimentation, a lot of experimentation. Going on. Some of the things will hold on. Some are just that experiment, mm -hmm. experiments that won't work out. But it's interesting. It's uh, and singers, you know, our today's singers are not all of them, but general population is stuck in, not stuck, but we're familiar with tunes. Sure. And all of that. So even singers, they have no memory or no experience to bring to the event. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So everybody so grows a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're stretching people, and that must be one of the reasons that the singers come back year after year. Oh, I think so. And the, um, the idea that for a time, we who are rehearsing this new piece are the only people in the entire world who know Ooh. what it sounds like in person, there's something inherently exciting about that. And I 
want to invite the audience to come to hear those new pieces because then for a moment they will be the only people those of us in that room together will be the only people who've experienced what that piece is like and for the very first time it only happens for the first time once right so it is in a sense to borrow an overused phrase a once in a lifetime opportunity (laughs) none of these pieces that we're talking about from a festival are as i describe things now they are uh, uh, all three of the pieces are based on wonderful poetry and I mean mm-hmm. that's where I started mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Adolf's piece and uh, John McMillan using uh, uh, John Dryden's poem of Alexander's feast so it's very inspiring stuff mm-hmm. I, um, all of it I mean you're inspired by doing masterworks of Brahms of course of course but it's a total entirely different experience to do James McMillan's latest work or John Adams, mm-hmm. whatever. You're bringing something new into the lexicon of choral yes. music. Yes. What else are you excited about in this coming May Festival's repertoire? Well, we're doing, uh, well, uh, all of it, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, we're doing Bach, we're doing the Bach Magnificat, which, uh, I, I, to me, I don't have, I don't like talking about favorite composers. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds a little bit too trite. But I love Bach. Yeah. Period. Uh, and, uh, and that will be done with a small group, as it as it should be. Mm-hmm. It, it was done early on in the festival. Was it the first performance? The second uh, May Festival, eighteen seventy-five. Uh, we gave the American premiere of the Bach Magnificat. Yeah. Oh my. And probably goodness. done by several several hundred people, which yes, would have about been fascinating. Six or seven hundred people. Yeah. We're oh doing it with goodness. about fifty. <laughs> the times have changed uh, in that way. Uh, of course, Mozart, James Conlon's coming back, and uh-huh. you can't talk about the history of the May Festival within the last century without talking about James Conlon. Of course. I and mean, he was here 37 years, and 27 or so of mine, whatever, have been with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so he will be here, and he uh, will be conducting Julia Adolph's new piece, uh, a crown of butterflies is that's right? a crown of hummingbirds hummingbirds Ooh, okay crown that's of close <laughs> crown of um and he's conducting mozart requiem which is probably one of uh the most popular i would say choral pieces uh, to the general public mm-hmm. i mean there are a few beethoven mm-hmm. nine and all that and we will culminate with something that is not so terribly unique for us and that is the Mahler Eight Symphony is called the Symphony of Thousand, which the title did not appeal to Gustav Mahler. He thought it was too much Barnum and Bailey. Oh, uh, he would, oh, oh! He was blaming, he was blaming, <laughs> <laughs> blaming the publicists. But most courses in America maybe do it once in a lifetime. Mm. I don't know how many we've done here, but I, and I'm not bragging about that, but I've been involved, I think, seven times in this hall because it's come up on, it came up often on James's uh, anniversary years, every five years. Uh-huh. And it's unique because it is so large. Uh, the orchestra is almost double size wow. in terms of the winds. It takes two choruses, oh uh, eight, goodness. seven soloists, the children's chorus. So when I say it's not done often, mm. it's because of that. Uh, people don't have yeah, the, the facilities scale. or the expense. Yeah. Uh, but if anyone doesn't know that piece, I would say they will be, and whether they are aficionados or just want to come, they will be blown away by the extent and the beauty and the 
and the energy of of this piece. So I'm always excited. Uh, it's I'm, a challenge. It's I'm very difficult. To hear you yeah, talk I, about I, it. I expect to see you there. I will be there. I will be there. <laughs> and it's probably worth noting because not many people know that our concert hall in Cincinnati Music Hall was actually built for the May Festival. Yes, it, was. Chorus, it was. Right? So the hundreds of singers and thousands of audience members needed a great hall. And uh, it opened in 1878 at the third May Festival. It's hard to believe the newspaper reviews and the writings in the program book precisely because they were prone to hyperbole, but by all accounts, uh, a tremendously successful festival due in part to the building. I remember reading that 10,000 people came down to Washington Park just to watch the audience come into the building. Oh, my gosh. A real community experience. And a real event. A real event. Dress-up event. event. Well, even today, the May Festival is an event in the, the calendar of the Cincinnati year. So to keep this tradition going for another 150 years, we have to inspire kids with choral music and the experience of singing. Absolutely, and we do everything possible. Matthew can talk about this. I have such grave concerns about that and the fact that over the last year so much of music education has drifted away right. for various reasons in public schools. Yes. Uh, and I even I see the result of that when I listen uh, to young people who maybe have gone through high school and they're really lack of uh, experience with with music other than right. what they've heard on the radio or, or uh, on, on uh, YouTube or whatever sure. it happens to be. So that is a grave concern I don't, uh, with uh, about everybody in the arts. I think everybody's yes. concerned about that. Yes. Who is going to uh, be singing in, in, be 20, singing. in 20 years? It's um, such a good question. And it's not just preserving the music, it's all the social and emotional and intellectual benefits that singing provides. Yeah, the, um, I could talk about this for a long time. The inspir- the May Festival itself, of course, is really quite an inspiration. I mean, to me, it has people, I live near Cleveland, people often ask me, how can you make that drive every week? Well, it's no problem for me, because the uh, being and spending the, being here and spending time with the singers makes anything worthwhile. I drive even further. Here we have 130 mm-hmm. people based, who don't know each other mm-hmm. outside right. of the rehearsal. They come right. from all over the area. They uh, they are from entirely different backgrounds: religious, uh, political, ages, right out of college, just starting college, to people uh, one or two people now who have been in 50 years. And I tell Matthew, we talk about it, there are 125 stories there, uh, 25 lives, 125 lives. And some have problematical situations. But the point is they seem, or we hope they forget all of that on Tuesday night or many nights when we rehearse in May simply for the joy of singing. The joy of singing. And that emotion that it brings. Yes. It is extraordinary. No, it isn't extraordinary because music is a powerful thing. But it is inspiring to see yes. two people who might really not get along in real life, for, you know, in very divisive world, are friends here. Friends here. And sharing the music. things. Yeah, it is, it is the most inspiring thing I can imagine. 
we all missed that inspiration during COVID for sure. And singing was one of the most hazardous things you could do during that time period. 19, 19 months off 19. for us. So, so those relationships as well as the joy of singing. And you took on a really different role during those months, <laughs> keeping the these people, these individuals who had become so connected on yes. stage, keeping them together. Um, and you did that by cooking. By cooking. Yeah, I love to cook. And I don't know, was this uh, Steve Sunderman's idea, maybe? I think it may have been, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we tried to have uh, uh, Zoom meetings maybe every two weeks to okay. meet everybody. Someone, perhaps Stephen Sunderman, our executive director, had the idea that I could send recipes. <laughs> so I did. I think we had, I don't know, 15. And, uh, you know, I couldn't do this um, casually. So I, uh, what I did <laughs> is uh, uh, cook things that I like to cook, but I tested it first. Oh, before, well, that's you know, good. I've never written anything down. You, you hadn't. So I had to try it, and then I took pictures yes. and, uh, and said, this week's recipe, and it was great it fun was, for me. I mean, listen, it was I mean, so this, fun uh, to this, watch. Is, this has been my life too, so it, uh, it gave me <laughs> something, not some, something to something do, but some, do. Uh, yes. some focus. So that was great fun. And people would call and say, I tried this, my wife didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, other, <clears throat> but others say, oh, this is great. <clears throat> yes. Well, I tried your tuna pasta. I oh. happened to tune in that night. And I love this in, in your recipe <clears throat> when you call for five anchovy fillets packed in olive oil, which I had to go shop for specifically. And you say, parenthetically, if you are averse to anchovies, use them anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will take that um, as great advice from, from Bob Porco. Um, and Bob's Kitchen recipes can still be found at mayfestival.org. Absolutely. And they're very popular. Are they? Are they, they still? Are I, very did, popular. I didn't know that. They're still there. And, and I tried <laughs> to make them personal in some cases by... Uh, you know, by in one or two cases, just speaking about my home environment and mm. how I picked this up or what mm -hmm. my mother did. Yes. Um, I think I talked about, uh, I can't remember now. I talked about steak, I'm sure, with my dad <laughs> and my mother having a certain food, like on the stove over the pilot light, keeping oh. warm for me when I got to school. Oh, oh. So rather than just a cold, Yes. You know, just here's the recipe. I tried to personalize a bit. So it was fun, actually. It was yeah. great fun. Well, and that, I I did, it doesn't substitute for rehearsals, but it was fun. <laughs> Nothing well, can. It, it, in the moment, it was a good way to continue bringing your yep. artists together. Um, well, we're, we're about the end, but Matthew, why don't you just quickly tell us about the Choral Academy and, and how that's preparing singers for the future. Sure. We have a program, the Cincinnati Choral Academy, which is a partnership between the May Festival, the Vocal Arts Ensemble, and the Cincinnati Youth Choir, one of the nation's premier uh, uh, singing organizations for young people. And I think this year we are in six uh, CPS elementary schools. Twice a week after school, students in grades three through six gather uh, in the music room with one of the Choral Academy's teachers, and they have a snack, and they do a lot of singing and music education activities, nice. all with the goal of, yes, preparing them with some skills, 
but more importantly, cultivating in them a love of singing uh-huh. so that when they leave elementary school, they're asking at my middle school, where's the choir teacher? Or which middle school am I going to go to so that I can meet the choir teacher and fit choir into my schedule? We know from Chorus America's research that most people who sing as an adult had uh, an experience with choral singing before they were age 18. Wow. So it's really important that these young people, and so many people sing. It's really Mm -hmm. important, however, that they find in their school a place where singing is celebrated and taught and enhanced so that they know that that's something they can look for and they can keep in their lives wherever mm-hmm. it is that they're going. That's so uh, I, I won't list off the schools now because I don't want to misspeak, but uh, we're in six elementary schools, I believe, uh, again, in the CPS district, and we're always looking for more interested young people who'd like to join that after-school program. It's totally free of charge, no cost at all to the young singers. And the same is true of the May Festival Youth Chorus and the May Festival Chorus, for that matter. It, we, we don't turn anyone away because they can't pay. If you want to make the commitment um, to put this kind of um, singing opportunity into your life, then we're looking for you. That's magnificent. Well, we thank you for all the ways you make music accessible to our community now 150 years of beautiful accessible music it's wonderful. Uh, and we're so excited to join you in a few short weeks at the 2023 may festival um you can find more information at mayfestival.org get your yes. tickets yep. things will sell mayfestival.com actually mayfestival.com well we will see you at .com and at Cincinnati Music Hall very shortly. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Matthew, for My being pleasure. here. My pleasure. Thank you. It's a wrap.